This episode of Masters of the Cinematic Universe is brought to you by Mo DeWitt and DeWitt Law Firm. Maybe you get in an accident chasing down a homicidal liquid metal machine from the future, or a time-traveling car sends you skidding into a truck full of manure. Perhaps a homicidal child cracks your skull open with a paint can this holiday season. Mo understands that every case is unique. If you're injured on the go, just call Mo. Welcome to the adventures of the masters of the cinematic universe across the 51st area of science fiction dimensions that are cinematically universed into retrospective decades that other movies may have came out in, but got way more credit and made more money back of the cinematic universe. Yes. Was that, that title? as much sense that? as this movie did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what's up, guys? <laughs> hey. going, man? I'm Joe. That's Eric. That's Doug. We're all here. We are on, all folks. here. Hello. Well, I mean, technically we're here, but are we really here? <laughs> like, I know. It's, what kind of existential question is that? Because, you know... You know right? What, what is it? Um, where you are is that's where you are. Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> Gosh, I, you fucking, like, I forgot you the fucking like quote. Fucking, you sound like George W. Bush. I set up the quote, but I fucked it up. Nuke, 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 nuclear, nuclear. Fool me once, nuclear. Well, fool me, fool me, fool me. To, you can't yeah. fool me again. Yep. Can't fool me. Well, can't let me tell you the again. story about the happy little goat. No, we won't talk mm-hmm. about that. Never well, forget. Never. Mission, yep. mission accomplished. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, I never thought I would miss those days. Jesus Christ. I know, right? That's the scary part. I, I was thinking story. maybe, you know, four ish years ago, I was like, damn, I missed George Bush. I didn't think I would ever yeah. say this. <laughs> I no, I, I didn't Bush. either. I didn't either. You know? Yeah. Yep. Holy moly. You guys look great, by the way. Holy oh, shit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> beaming. Absolutely beaming. Try. Yep. Um, well, as we do on every episode, we talk a little bit about our lives, what's going on, what's new. And if you listen to the previous episode we did on Troll 2, oh. you might have heard me mention that uh, the Hourglass Brewing Tom and Dan thing was happening like today in real time and last week in podcast time. Uh, I was off by a week, so <laughs> it's actually happening tomorrow if you're listening to this. Yeah, uh-huh. so you can still go. Comes out. You still go, yeah, and I'll Excellent. see you there, and we'll have a beer. Yeah, that's very cool. I might go. You should go. Take I would you like to, to take see you to lunch. No, I don't want you to take me to lunch. I'd like you to buy me a beer. Can we do both? Mm, okay. Yeah. No, it'll be dinner. It's it's later, man. You're gonna buy me dinner. That's fine. I can still get you some cerveza. Okay, I'm an expensive date, man. Don't fuck around. We used to go out all the time. What happened? What happened to us? What happened to us? Yeah, what the fuck? You want to take me to winter, winter Park? Wow. Yeah, where's the magic, man? Fuck. Uh, yep. Now we just sit around watching TV, not even talking to each other, just looking at our phones. Yep, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Scrolling, yeah. Jesus Christ. Never again. Actually, we need to get it. We need to get the band together is what we really need to do. You're over here doing all the hard work, and I'm just going to take the credit. That's fine. Um, I will say, too, speaking of that, I got a lot of recording done today, right? Like nice. I, I found this beautiful little pocket of the afternoon where nobody was around 
I was like, I can, I can knock out a lot of work. And I did. And it was very satisfying. I mean, I got levels exactly where I wanted them. I got takes that I was really happy with and my whole fucking dog crashed. And I realized as it happened, Oh, I haven't saved anything. Oh, oh. so I walked away from that project and I'm too mad to look at it right now, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, oh, I completely can. I can so relate to that. that yeah, is- I've, I've been there. Um, I feel like you're the Pete Wentz and I'm the Patrick Stump. Because <laughs> you do all the work and then I have the really good voice and sing it out. That's fine. That's <laughs> and fine. get all the credit. <laughs> you also, you could pull off like the uh, array of hats. Yeah, oh stuff, yeah. You know? yeah. Well, I mean, it's a necessity for me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I have a special set of skills that make me really good at wearing hats. Yeah, it's called not I'm growing also, here. Not growing here. I'm also an ethnic rock and roll guy, which yeah. there's like four of them. So, <laughs> you know, I I got that a lot growing up. Like, hey, Pete Sun Forty One is like like you know leaving. We, there's a space opening up for us. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh, I got that all the time. You look like the guy from Sun Forty One. You look like the bass player from No Doubt. It's like you, you look like you're zeroing in on the brown people who do this. I always got I, I literally got mistaken for Patrick Stump so many times when it first started because I had the giant pork chops and I was uh, a white dude who wore hats. <laughs> so like <laughs> it happened quite a bit. That's all it takes. That's yeah. all it takes. Mm-hmm. Um aside from those things, the only other thing that's new is that I have an amazing wife. That's not new. That's been going on for like, a while. <laughs> but she uh, went out today and run some errands. And she always texts me pictures of the toy aisle. She's like, do you need this? Do you From Fairvella Megastore. Oh, look at that. Oh, Can we get sponsored um, by them? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, do you need this Indiana Jones? Do you need this, that? So she brought me home something that I actually had when I was a kid. They re-released it. And I'm going to grab it to show to you guys. And this is... Oh, I really hope you hold out his dick. This is great radio content showing you stuff on the internet. Oh, but I remember those. Ninja Turtle. Look at that. Donatello. That's awesome. And it's like the old school too. Yes. So cool. You can tell by his D. Big D. Big. And it's also those old Ninja Turtles, they colored the turtles different. Yeah, they're a little darker. So my man is super dark, Donatello. And he does have the biggest D. So it all tracks. Like it's all, you know. Giant bow staff. Yeah, big. Big bow staff. What's new with your jokes? Can you cram into one Uh, turtles conversation? (laughs) Oh, as many as I want. Um, So, uh, this might be what's new for all of us at the same time here. Uh, I finished watching Ted Lasso finally. Oh, did you cry? Oh, man. I I didn't. um, No, I didn't cry, which is weird. Wow. But um, the bigger thing is, as soon as I finished watching it, I was telling Sherry, I was like, this show's so great. I was like, you should watch it. She's like, it's about sports. I don't want to watch it. I'm like, but it's not really about sports. I'm not like, about sports. I'm like, it, it's like literally the, the whole show revolves around a guy who knows nothing about the sport he's coaching. <laughs> like, yeah. He so, finally gets it in the last show in the whole series. Yeah. He finally, get, he finally gets it right. So I um I finally talked to him to it and we started watching it again. And holy shit. The fucking, yeah. like, I, I, I think one of you might have said this, the callbacks, like, like in the last episode is nothing but callbacks to like the first few episodes. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. Like the guy yep. at the airport who takes a selfie with him. Yep. Who also takes a selfie with Jamie Tart uh, at a barbershop later in the yeah. season. Yep. Um, like just everything. I'm sitting there watching, like, huh, huh, ah. And then like in the scene where he's like, uh, either we're going to have a movie night or a pillow fight. One of these days is going to be a pillow fight. And then like the fucking, <laughs> I like, like, I'm yep. just, like, 
now that I'm rewatching the series, I'm just seeing all the shit that actually happened, yes. and I'm like, ah, oh, they set all this up and no, then paid it a, off. It's such a well written, well crafted show. That's the thing about yeah. it. You know. um, so that was that was fun. I I, I did that. Um, still trying to build a fence, but my gate didn't come in. So, I, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, nah, can't really do the fence until the gate's here because I have to measure the actual size of the gate. I don't want to guess and then it'd be wrong. Oh no, that's the worst thing. You can't do that. Uh, yeah. Anything else new? Um, uh, I was playing with my Helix today and got some great new patches. I found. Um, for free, which is the best part. Oh, that's always yeah. Good. I thought I got one that sounds fucking amazing. I'm just really, really stoked on it. I was playing with it earlier. So good, so so yeah. good. Uh, I watched a shitty movie. Um, nope. <laughs> but I didn't. I we'll get to this as this goes on. But I don't know what to even think. You're gonna have to really like sway me on this. I also changed my mind to the movie we're doing next. Um, I was on something about Mary, but then somehow today, like through this and something else, I watched. I changed my mind. I want to do Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Ooh, okay. So nice. that'll be the I'm next one. Yeah, I'm good with that I too. Yeah. I figured you would be. Um, I love that movie. I saw a preview for a show. I want to say Netflix, but it might also be Hulu. I don't remember. But it has Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jay Baruchel in it. It looks pretty interesting. I believe it's Netflix. Yeah. But I don't remember the name of it. I know which Oh, Fubar. It's fucked up beyond all reality. Yeah. Recognition. Recognition. Yeah. Um, yep. But it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger on a dock lifting weights talking to Jay Baruchel about his him dating somebody. And like I was like, this looks interesting. I was yeah. like, yeah. But Jay Baruchel looked like way older and grown up. So, yeah, I think he's finally like he finally peaked as far as a childhood look goes. He's now <laughs> yeah. graduated to an actual adulthood. Um, and then I, the reason I thought of Jay Baruchel was because of the fact that Scott Pilgrim takes place in Canada, in Canalandia. Yes. In uh, in in on Ontario, Ontario is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Ontario, Ontario, Ontario. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. it. Uh, right next to uh, Edmonton, and yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh, which that one's next to um, what's the what's the uh, Regina? <laughs> well, that's it. You actually pronounce that right. <laughs> I, I like that city. I heard it's got jokes some, on you. Some nice, yeah, some nice wet lakes it. in Regina. <laughs> <clears throat> Regina. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else do we know about Canada? Uh, Andrew Walsh, can you join us? Yeah, right. We got to get him on here. Yeah, do Friday. Yep. I've watched it now, so we might as well do it. Yeah. Um, so, so Doug, what's, what's going on with you, buddy? What's new with me? Um, I'm very, uh, Vegas. I had mentioned we booked our Vegas trip for our 60th birthday celebration. But now it's like super real because I'm inside the 90 day window. And for us, that means stalking the rewards for the Vegas games that I play on my phone. Cause that's usually like there's 90 day rewards, 60 day rewards and 30 day rewards. Nice. So you got to stalk these fuckers because there's only, they only release so many every day. So you got to be quick on the draw. You got to pay attention when they release and it's random and then you get them like, but I'm talking like, you know, free food, free shows. Oh shit! shit so like it's, it's it's like an app-based thing, and you just kind of yeah. grab these. Okay. It's an MD, It's 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 a uh, apps. It's ve- It's like slots apps um, by MGM, who's mm. one of the major property owners in Vegas. So so you're looking for a Freeva Las Vegas. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So, I mean, that's how the whole thing got started in 2016 when we um, 
we set up our first trip for our 30th anniversary, I was looking for a, an app to just practice blackjack. And I downloaded this MGM blackjack app and I saw that, oh, hey, you get free rewards and you don't have to spend any money on this on the app. You just build up these loyalty points. And then I got Erica into it. And by the second trip to Vegas, we were saving like 1500 bucks a trip yeah. just on the free shit that we got. So do That's you actually awesome. like gamble when you go there? Yeah, not yeah. a lot. We're not we're not we're not high rollers. Um, we start off with like a couple hundred bucks a day. You know, like as our budget, and if we win, there's more to either eat with or yeah, go to shows with or gamble with. But we we're not high rollers. No, we we do more of just the sightseeing, the people watching, yeah, um, and the, and the food. I mean, it's the best food place on the planet. So, um, that's that's like our that's our thing. Eric is a pool person. I'm not, but I'll hang out at the pool with her for a bit, things like that. So. Like, yeah, go to we, Vegas, man. Let me tag along. For real, me and Eric can go. I've never been. I've never been. I've only been once when I was too young to gamble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, we Vegas is from my from my experience. It's you either love it or you hate it. Okay. And I think both of you have the right personality to really get into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I think it would be fun for both of you. You know what I mean? But there's people I know that I would tell, no, you shouldn't go to Vegas because you're gonna be fucking miserable. <laughs> Because you know yeah, there's there's things you learn is like sides of the strip you walk on as opposed to sides of the strip you don't walk on unless you want to be depressed and you know things like that. Uh, and, and, okay. and you gotta, uh, I want to walk on the depression the, strip. Gotta, <laughs> yeah, that's what the fucking you, you walk on that side and you're surrounded by the fake Mickey Mouse's and Minnie Mouse's and the, and the the shabby show girls that try yeah. to you know. But yeah. do they have the McDonald's of Mexican food? Oh yeah, they have lots of those. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All right, because yeah. I, I need my my Chipotle. I want, to go, I want to go to the uh, punk rock museum in <laughs> Vegas. I haven't it, been, but I'm sure it's great. It just, I think it opened like three or four months ago. That's oh, okay. I and, might have to uh, look that up when we go. Dude, there's like a, there's a jam room in the punk rock what? museum where the amps and the guitars from different artists are there just for you to pick up and, and play. That is so cool. Oh. I think so you, I might yeah. actually have to go. Yeah, we yeah, gotta do you this. Can, you can just grab Joan Jett's Melody Maker and just fucking oh. jam out. Are you it's, kidding it's me? It's so cool. And yeah, the cool yeah, thing yeah. about punk rock music is you don't have to be able to play good. No, no exactly. That's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the three of us should go there and play something. That oh, would be fun. great, man. Because yeah. it's, it's funny in Vegas, as far as music stores go, there are a few, but they're mostly really overpriced and touristy. Like, it's not like a music town in that sense. Yeah. From, from yeah. you know, the little experience I have with it. It's not like I sought that stuff out because most of the most of the, the the music stores are off the strip so you know most of our stuff yeah. was contained to like vegas proper so we didn't really do, do much traveling off the strip like that so um but that's what i've heard from other people is that yeah there are a couple of places that are really cool to go to but it's not like if you go to la or new york or london you know it, it's not it's nothing like that there yeah so, yeah well yeah so look it up cool. i mean see if that looks cool to you i know it's um yeah it's Owned by Fat Mike from No Effects. I was gonna ask, oh, is, it, is shit, this Fat Mike really? thing? <laughs> yeah, okay. and and he basically just reached out to all these bands. It was like, hey, you want to come on board? So like, Pat Smear is like a like an investor. Yeah. You know nice. what I mean? And so it's That's got some good punk move, rock. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah, the germs. I mean, it it looks very very cool. It looks cool. Yeah. So. I mean, that's 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 
a smart investment on their part because Vegas is the place for that shit. Yeah. yeah. Like there's the pinball museum. There's every museum under the sun there. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And it's just, that's ripe for that, man. So that good on him. That's cool. I'll, I'll have to check it out. Fat Mike's one of those people that you like, you want to hate him sometimes, but you can't help but like him. I don't yeah. know enough about him to know if you're right or wrong, to be honest with you. He's the singer and bass player for No Effects. Yeah, I said it's funny. I I learned, you know, because old man me, I learned about No Effects when I got into this community with you people. Uh, like oh, I nice. never heard okay. of No Effects. I the, the big punk bands, you know, Blink and all that. I, I of course I knew them, but like No Effects, maybe it's an East Coast thing. I don't know, but West Coast. like they they they're what California. I'm is an East Coast thing that they didn't play oh, them I on radio you. here. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they're just one of the stalwarts of like punk rock. Yeah. They've been around. Fucking, I don't even know when they started. The late '80s, early '90s. Right, right. '80s, yeah. This um, will be like 40 years. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. And and they do a brand of punk that's like it's melodic skate punk is what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's like one of my favorite. It's it's. I think it's like the precursor to like what pop punk came from was like the melodic skate punk. Bands, okay. bands from Fat Records, like No Use for a Name, uh, Lagwagon, mm-hmm. No Effects, like those are the the four the forefathers of what became like the pop punk movement. Right, right. That's cool. Very cool. Look at Joe spitting knowledge. I, know. I mean, that's like the the, the white girl <clears throat> in the punk. Like everyone knows that. You know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. they're great bands. Um, cool. Did you ever listen to something right home about Doug? I still haven't. No, sorry. Fuck you, Doug. I know. Fuck you, Doug. <laughs> My life is a shit show. You guys don't understand how fucked up my life is. And it's all self-imposed fucked upness. I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm not blaming real life problems. I'm blaming me and my issues. Okay. So I'll get to it. I will get Doug, to it. Doug, you'll be accepting my apology yeah. for taking things too seriously. Okay. It's not, he's not going to get these references, Joe. I, no, that, was exactly. for you, that was for you, Eric. Oh, well, thank I just, I, I figured it. it was some kind of lyric, but yeah. you know, yeah. My pen yeah. paints people that I've proven wrong. Okay. We, right. we get it. I, I love mean, that song. Words. That's a great song. It's a beautiful song. It really is. So yeah, no effects started in the eighties. You know, you know what else started in the eighties? I found out today. Us. Yeah. <laughs> well, me yeah, and Eric. <laughs> if did, maybe Doug did too, 1880s. I don't want to fucking roll it out. Yes. Wow. 100% right. You're absolutely right. What a fucking. How what old a... is this motherfucker? I look hey, And why am I, I so be... red? I look good in a cowboy hat too. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, fuckaroo bonsai. Yeah, we uh <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna this this definitely in, encapsulates the eighties in a lot of ways. Uh it was basically a shit show. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> the 80s. There had to be cocaine involved was, in this movie. Was a shit show. Oh, there definitely was. It was absolutely cocaine. So we are talking about the movie now that has the longest title of any movie we've done up till now. Does um, it really though? I'm Alan of Ricky Bobby Buckaroo Bones. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because so. uh, Talladega Nights had a really fucking long name too. Oh no, no, that's yeah, but I think this one might be a little bit longer, but I could be wrong. But uh, let's um, see. I think it is. There's also Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, uh, and then all the Star Wars ones have super fucking stupid long names. All right, calm down, hater. No, I'm just right? looking up. I, I want to be factually correct, but I think so you are doing a movie that might be one of the longest titles. I think you are right. I, I think Talladega <laughs> Nights and this are re- right. neck and neck. So that's me bringing both of them in a row. So we are tonight. We are going to talk about the 1984 mega hit 
not. <laughs> the Adventures Me- of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. It's a mega shit. Stop it. You know, yeah. that's unfair. That's unfair. Some, of the, char- you some that. of the characters' spaceships look like Apollo shit. <laughs> like, like well, flying Apollo dog shit. This movie had a $17 million budget. Think about it. Yeah, this is Even $17 in million in 80s money. That was no budget whatsoever. That's a pretty decent budget. No, not even in 84, 17 million wasn't shit. Okay. Ah. And they made, what, they stretched though, those, that shit. Those spaceships, some of them, the flying looked pretty good for 84. Yeah. 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 That's how I saw where the 17 million went. I know. <laughs> and uh, the, the it didn't problem go into the weird movie, little vampire ghost things in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. The problem with this movie, though, is it cost 17 million, but it only grossed about six. <laughs> oh, damn. Damn it. So it, uh, yeah, they had high hopes for this thing and uh, it didn't come through for them. So, yeah, 1984, uh, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, directed by uh, W.D. Richter, who is more known for his writing skills. Um, he's written some cool stuff, Big Trouble in Little China. He wrote that that stupid uh, uh, movie Stealth, but I like it. It's one of the guilty pleasures. It's that, it's that uh, uh, Jamie Foxx and Jessica Biel, and it's a, about a, an unmanned stealth fighter that that yeah. oh. up with the fighter pilots. It came out like ten years. He ago. also yes. made other movies yes. though, uh, like the Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, yeah, he wrote the '78 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The guy's got a pedigree. And I mean, he, wasn't he, like a Stephen King or something? Neat, needing needful things. Needful, needful things. things. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So no, the guy, the guy, he's got a pedigree. You know. And it was written by Earl Mac Roche, who only wrote like four movies, and this was the only one I know. But um, yeah, so we're gonna just dive into it now. Uh, we're sorry in it, advance. Yes, it's. I'll preface this by saying, and I, I said this off air. I said I, I can understand why twenty-one-year-old me liked this, dig this movie, right? Dug this movie because it's snarky and and. I was just a snarky fuckface when I was 21. And, you know, like there are some humorous bits in this because it doesn't take itself seriously. So there are bits and pieces that are funny. I just at 21, I don't I didn't really focus on the fact that it implied a lot that didn't happen. A lot happened that shouldn't happen. You Mm, know, things like that. Like it was very herky jerky, very disjointed in its pacing because it it made you assume too much. Like you're supposed to know the shit that they're talking about. And yeah, 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 it, yeah, it doesn't do a good job of telling a story. Right now, there are there's a there is a special DVD edition of this. There's 14 deleted scenes in it. Oh so who God. knows? Like I've never seen. I'm really that. surprised and I didn't accidentally download that version. You. I, know. I was just gonna say that. But who knows that it might have made more sense that they started pulling scenes out to cut down on time. And then that's where the, all these, that's where all this implied shit happens. Look, like the first, it was spelled out in the DVD. The first 20 and, minutes of this movie reminded me of 1980s Mythbusters. Yeah. Well, I'll say yeah. this, man, prepare to feel young again, Doug, prepare to feel 21. Cause I want to pull you back in. Cause I fucking love this movie. Yeah, you, you would. I love it. I no, love I don't it. just, I, I, I don't, I, I think I'm trashing it more than I should because I, I do dig it, but anyway, Look, I, I just I'm just undecided on it, honestly. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, so, I'm going to win hearts and minds. Before we fully dive in, lots of clips, because it's the only way to get the point across for this thing. Is <laughs> lots of clips. 
So we open with a typical 80s synth soundtrack. The music's playing. We get that 80s CG opening credits bullshit, you know, and it just says the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Yeah, um, but it's Star Wars. Oh, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, then we get a screen scroll uh, that I will read. All right. It's Buckaroo Banzai, born to an American mother and a Japanese father, thus began life as he was destined to begin it, going in several directions at once. A brilliant neurosurgeon, this restless young man grew quickly dissatisfied with a life devoted solely to medicine. He roamed the planet studying martial arts and particle physics, collecting around him a most eccentric group of friends, those hard-rocking scientists known as the Hong Kong Cavaliers. And now, with his astounding jet car ready for a bold assault on the dimension barrier, Buckaroo Banzai faces the greatest challenge of his turbulent life. While high above Earth, an alien spacecraft keeps a nervous watch on Team Banzai's every move. All right, I got a couple problems with this. No, you don't. First of all, he doesn't even look remotely Japanese. (laughs) Okay, this is 1984, and cultural appropriation was not a thing. Also, Hong Kong is China, not Japan. Right. (laughs) So, if you're going to be Japanese Buckaroo Banzai, why would you have the Hong Kong Cavaliers? Because it sounds cool, Joe. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was his band's name. So does the right. Kyoto the, the Kyoto Cavaliers. Nah, no, 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 no. Or the Tokyo no. Troubadours. That's no, pretty that was good. That was taken. Yeah. <laughs> that was taken. There was another group of scientists, neurosurgeon, <laughs> guitar players. Or the Osaka out, Outlaws or something like that. Yeah, right. Okay. Can I just say I love the Star Wars title scroll and I love the, I love the synopsis. Like I love. Yes. I read that and I was like, fuck yeah. Like I'm in this guy. This is just a Saturday morning cartoon from I did. I do have to say that I actually cleaned up the grammar in it because the grammar is really poor. In yeah. The screen scroll is commas missing from places. Also, I just kept thinking Dr. Be, Strange. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not good. So I, <clears throat> I cleaned that up a bit. So, uh, so we now cut to, uh, a dry lake bed where we see the aforementioned jet car. Being is it salt, for salt lake? Yeah, I, I guess it is Great Salt Lake. Yeah, that's what it looks class. like. It looks like where they run the, uh, like the. Oh, yeah, no, the speed where they run trials. all the speed tests. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's probably where it is. Um, I mean, it's a perfect place to film. You know what I mean? It's cheap to set up there than they, they rent it for the day. Yeah, exactly. Don't got to worry so. about people going off getting drunk because it's Utah. Right. That's very true. So uh, the, the jet car's being prepped. There's a whole team there. It's almost as big as like a NASA rocket launch. Um, some of the dialogue that you hear, the radio chatter is actually from like a, the pre-launch process for the uh, space shuttle, the old space shuttle. So, mm. you know, they try to keep it authentic in, in air quotes. Uh, so the problem is our uh, protagonist, Buckaroo Banzai, he's played by Peter Weller, a very young Peter Weller. They looked at Tom Hanks and they looked at um, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Couldn't get either mm. one of them for this. I feel and like they, they both would have ca- worked. Right? I know. Yeah. They had a casting call and Peter Weller uh he won it, uh won the role. So did he, really he hasn't arrived. What's that? <laughs> did he really win though? <laughs> sure he did. Sure he did. He won. Stop. He did. Um because this this like started his career, you know? I mean, <clears> he went on to to do a lot more. So um he hasn't arrived to the launch site yet because he's currently busy help, helping his colleague, Sidney Zweibel, a.k.a. New Jersey. Uh, it was played by Jeff Goldblum. 
Yeah. Who turned down the role of Egon in Ghostbusters to play this? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> solid choice. Solid choice, well, Mr. Goldblum. You know what? It's a solid choice for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would have sucked as Egon. That's it wouldn't have been debatable. the same movie. It wouldn't have been the same. Don't, but uh, he, uh, don't now, 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 don't look at the trap. Don't. Yeah. I think he would have exactly. played a great Egon, honestly. No, nah, I don't no, think so. No. Nope. Nah, well, I, I think I think it would have sucked. So that's why I'm happy he made this choice. Right. And I think he, he went on to an okay career. So I think it's all right. He didn't suffer from it. Look, he's in one of the best movies ever. So. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so he's helping, he's helping his colleague, you know, Sidney Zweibel, uh, perform brain surgery. Um, my favorite line from that whole thing. And, and this is the humor that 21 year old me thought was great. And it's still funny. Uh, when, when Buckaroo Banzai says, no, 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 don't tug on that. You never know what it might be attached to. (laughs) They're doing brain surgery. (laughs) And one of the brain surgeons just wants to tug on some shit, you know? Yeah. Um, was there a moment in that scene where, He's talking about, um, you know, I need somebody on board permanently. And Jeff Goldblum, he's like, oh, do you have an opening? Did he say, like, yes, I have an opening, like, literally, like, this man's head? Or did I imagine that? Uh, I don't recall that. Okay. I, I times I watch it this week, but I could I was be a, wrong. I was a few beers deep into this movie, so okay. I might All have been right. inventing my own dialogue. but Yeah. So, yeah, so as you mentioned, Bonza invites New Jersey to join the uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers. Uh, and he's very excited. Can you sing? No, but I can dance a little. <laughs> uh, and now finally we see a helicopter fly into the launch site. Buckaroo's finally arrived, and we're going to run our first clip. We have Buckaroo descending. We have him on the launch stadium perimeter. control positive. T minus five, four, five, and resume counting. Hey, hey, right. Hold on. All systems, right? Hold on. 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 What's this jalopy supposed to do anyway? 500 miles an hour, Are we getting a car Senator, you're so gullible. This is control. Driver's door check secure. B, C, D, Clear the area! E. Control, this is HB88. Commander's voice check, over. Garage HB88, read you 10 2 Roger, I copy. Altimeter set and cross check. Compasses, cross check. Reserve brake system two. Uh, closed and guarded. Gear handle. Down and in. Throttles and start levers. Free, closed and off. Number four electric hydraulic pump and press. On and checked. Parking brake. Set and press checked. Radios, radar, and transponder. Set and standby. HB88, this is control. I am you. in progress. We show two, eight degrees, three, six minutes. Three, zero point three, two seconds north. By eight, zero degrees, three, six minutes. One, four point eight seconds west. Over. Synchro is aligned. Out. HB88, this is control. Ground crew secure. 
coordinates. Warm one and fuel ticket. On board. Circuit breakers. Wait the glory die. Oxygen pressures. Five. Four. We have a start. Two. Check. One. Bonsai that. But one heat-seeking missile and he's history. This is control. <laughs> so for, uh, I gotta say, this rocket car is my favorite thing. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, just it's a, a shitty Ford Econoline dually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like With a, a jet like engine a, they borrowed. And, and the seat the moved film. to the middle. Yeah. But they kept saying 88. The license plate said 88. This movie was filmed a year before Back to the Future, and it has, has Christopher Lloyd in it. Yeah, there's a flux. Yeah, like this is awesome, man. I, 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 I have those very notes down, dude. You're right. <laughs> I mean, this it's. I know that you know Back to the Future was already written when this came out, but there's so many unintentional references. It's hysterical. I fucking love it. It's okay? awesome. Absolutely love it. They go so fast to go through a mountain. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's it, it it's very unintentional. It's very cool. Um. Yeah, so I, one of the reasons I pulled that clip because there's not a lot going on, but it shows you their attention to detail. I mean, that sounded like it was right out of a, a rocket launch, you know, oh, yeah. with, yeah, yeah, with yeah. all the verbiage and everything. So, they, so the makers of this movie were serious. Did they hit the mark? No, we know that. But they were serious about this shit. They really thought they were going to have something here. They were prepared for a full franchise on on this. So, movie. so what I love is Character. what you like about this movie is that they were so serious, but it didn't work. Yet, when people like in Super Mario Brothers were so serious and it didn't work, you hate that one. <laughs> okay, but it's pure hypocrisy is what it is. No, it's no. not pure. It's not even close to pure hypocrisy. Absolutely not. Because no. bon Bonsai has so many redeeming qualities, right? You know, just from like a, an inventive filmmaking kind of. I mean, the cast is stacked. Like, it's just, there's so much Self, going it's for it. It's self-deprecating. It's yeah. lighthearted. It, it, Self-aware. I mean, Super Mario Brothers is a fucking assault on me. <laughs> on the senses. Okay, it's an assault. The, the biggest problem I'm going to have with this movie um, isn't, like, all the shit that happens. It's the lack of a fucking solid narrative. <laughs> like... No, it's there. Ugh. You got to work too hard to get it, and I and I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair to us. I agree with you there. I'm though. like to me, one of the most important things a movie can do is tell a fucking story start to finish, without like a bunch of random shit that doesn't make sense or doesn't belong or doesn't need to be there. And I like right, insane, but, stupid movies. Oh, I know you do. God which damn is it. why Two I should I should fucking love this, but I don't know. Like, I really don't. You, Here's the way I look at it. I don't know if this will sway you or not. To me, this movie is the live action version of an 80s Saturday morning cartoon. Yep. And exactly it. 80s kids were given a longer leash when it came to, you know, being spoon fed a narrative. Right. Like we got stuff that was a little bit more dense intellectually yeah. and required, you know, just a little bit more creativity I, from us. I can us. say that's accurate because I've been rewatching the X Men animated series, and you really like that's more like adult themed than yeah. child themed for sure. Mm -hmm. They just throw you in; they expect you to to strap on and and okay, right. like I'm, I'm rolling with it. So but look, 
all the 80s kids now grown up to be assholes. That's no. true. Yeah, we're not great. We're not great. I, I just, I, you know what? That's unfair of me because it's not just 80s kids. It's 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 anybody I've ever met in my life, especially the correct. ones who say, well, look, I did this when I was a kid and I grew up okay. No, you didn't. You grew up yeah. to be an asshole. Okay? <laughs> and the sooner you admit it and realize you're an asshole, the better off we're all going to be. You're a dick. Okay? Yeah, it was not 100%. That, that's with every generation. He's an asshole, but he's not 100% a dick. Not 100% <laughs> dick. Exactly. So... <laughs> It's uh, just the the lack of a full out. Pl- I don't know. Like it's, it's something. No, Joe, wrong. you're right. I'm <laughs> getting you. I yeah. exactly. This is not what I remembered. Like That's I feel like I mean. if they would have just wrote the story better, this thing would have worked so yes. well. It could. It could have been the idea and the franchise that they hoped it would be. It could. Yeah. Have like I could have absolutely loved this if the story was right. like solid or captivating or anything the bones are there joe you're 100 yeah. percent right but they just didn't flesh it out enough i i totally agree with you like this would be like oh. me just telling eric all right so some put monterey jack doing something cheese <laughs> i don't know you put gadget in there's a bed you figure yeah, it out but if i gave you a picture that was fucking really cool you'd be like all right but it yeah. wouldn't be cha-cha-cha-cheese cool that's true all right sorry doug we it's all right. I, I, well, no, I'm just like, I'm just trying to explain like what it is about this movie that like, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> so, yes. and I like weird. Like, that's the yeah. thing is like, I do like weird, but it's like, it's like avant-garde weird. Right. It, 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 it missed, it missed, it, 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 it took its shot. Yeah. It made effort. It had effort, but oh, also can we address when he goes to the mountain, the shitty fucking CGI skeletons, <laughs> yeah. the eighties, I'm getting there, Joe. I'm getting there. That's in my very next okay. paragraph. I'm getting there. One cool reference that I, that I found is that in a deleted scene, Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> plays Buckaroo's mom. What? Yeah. Yes. I Get saw that. It was like and a flashback scene to his childhood is because the reason I bring that up is because in the jet car, in one shot, there is a picture of Buckaroo, a young Buckaroo, and his mom, and that is Jamie with Lee the black wig. Picture. Oh shit! Yes. Yeah. Also, so, the the him going across the eighth dimension literally happens in the first or second scene of the movie, and then the rest of it's just him on Earth. Well, because it, no, mm. Joe, that just that sets up the rest of the movie. Yeah, but it sets up the rest of the movie. The adventures of him across the eighth dimension makes me think the entire movie is going to be the adventures of him across the eighth dimension not the adventures of him stopping aliens from trying to go to the eighth dimension i gotta say i've been agreeing with a lot of what you're saying up till now but you're you're fucking yeah that's shit right that's a reason you're digging you're digging you don't have to dig there's enough valid shit to trash this movie on but but i'm saying like if if the thing says across the eighth dimension you would expect at some point him to go to the eighth dimension and go across it he did two points which he did in the second scene of the movie and then that's it but how much more time did you want him to spend in that green right? screen? Exactly. Uh, it says, would have been crazy if it about said, the, CG. the, the ad- movie would have been hold on. shitty CG, If it said though. the adventure of Buckaroo Bonsai across the 8th dimension, okay. not the adventurers, because I expected more adventures in the 8th dimension. Joe's got his lawyer's hat on now. Yeah. I'm just saying. Because like, <laughs> I, I expected the sci-fi movie of him in like, some other cool dimension doing some shit, not just him on Earth with the worst product placement from Harley Davidson ever. <laughs> like, trying right. to fucking... So stop aliens from he's trying to stop aliens from leaving the planet. I'm like, let them fucking leave. They want to leave. You don't want them here. What the hell's the problem? <laughs> like, well, he was trying to save Earth. He had, he had to save Earth. Yeah, the other aliens, on, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna annihilate Earth or allow us to annihilate ourselves. So the jet car, <laughs> it's accelerating down this lake bed, right? Uh, Buckaroo suddenly, uh, unbeknownst to anybody except maybe Rawhide and the rest of the the, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. 
it veers off course. And we learn that he's just initiated phase two of this test. And uh, phase two is to, guess what? Cross the eighth dimension. He, uh, the, the car's approaching uh, a mountain face at the speed of sound, above the speed of sound, like Mach 1.3. Yeah. Um, the overthruster activates, and it fires a beam that allows the car to pass right through the mountain, right? Uh, so while it's in the mountain and it's traveling through the mountain, uh, we get a great little scene of that shitty 80 CG light show. It's it's awful. Yeah. Um, so bad. As well as this golem like creature that's never mentioned again <laughs> in the whole fucking movie. Yeah. It looks, this creature looks nothing like the aliens we're going to see. No, this is like out. a weird fucking skeleton thing. It was like a little naked golem, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just weird, you know? Uh, but I guess I understand the point of it, but it was like, it was like they reached into the canned CG effects and pulled out. <laughs> so yeah. you need naked golem. All right, throw him in there. Um, this, it, was just that a felt, odd. it felt very comic book to me. Where like yes, you know, like Barry Allen when he taps into the Speed Force, he stays in there for too long. Like these fucking these things, these Harry yes. Potter ghosts come after him. Yep, I, I liked it. I liked no, I and, it. I, I and I liked it. the effects. I thought they did a good job for what they had in the time. Yeah, for eighty four, it worked. Because yeah. God, there's another movie that I thought about doing, but. I will not do called Altered States. I don't know if you've heard of that Ooh, one. Altered States. Holy that shit. is a trippy drug movie, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the CG in that is just like this. Yeah. It's again, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. 84 actually, or around the earlier 80s, maybe 81. And the CG is just like that, but there's more of it and it's fucked up. So maybe I will bring it. Not re not soon. I got to, <laughs> I got to get back into my groove after back this burner. One. Though, some yeah. good yeah. movies. So, <laughs> so Buckaroo, he exits the mountain a hundred miles away from where he jumped in, right? Uh, the yeah. car is like smoking a little bit, but not smoking enough for me to justify him jumping out while it's still moving. <laughs> I don't know why he did that. Oh, yeah, it's weird. He got um, a little panicky there with the fire. He's like, he's like Ricky what, Bobby. What's fire? Hold on. I got to pick this. I'm going to jump a little further ahead in this movie. He's worried that the van's going to catch on fire, yet he kicks a file cabinet full of fire and the thing just leaves he it just burning. He closes it. And yeah. It's still burning. It's still burning. It's still burning. It's still burning but he's not scared of that fire, but he's scared of this fire. That doesn't even exactly. happen yet. Also, fire is gonna this is where the little yeah. th sign drops down that say, Myth confirmed. <laughs> like Jamie exactly. Hymanen exactly. comes out and shit. Exactly. So. So the car stops and he goes over and he, he starts checking out the car and he finds some Ghostbusters like slime on the windshield and then he goes underneath the car to check the chassis and he finds this like living sphere creature thing that's attached to the uh, the undercarriage of the car. Um, so we now jump to uh, a local mental hospital where we meet Dr. Emilio Lizardo, played by John Lithgow. Now, no. I will say this is the He's best performance of this, of this movie. Fucking movie. Also, my favorite part of this fucking movie. I'm sitting here, I'm like... Is that Jonathan fucking Banks? Yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, I heard the voice and I'm like, I'm like, he's too skinny and tall. <laughs> I'm like, that's goddamn Mike Ehrman Trout from uh, Breaking Bad. That's who that is. That's Professor Dickey from Community. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's when he got his start. He was also yeah. in, uh, he was also in Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. He was one of the bad guys in Beverly Hills Cop. I just, I heard the voice and I'm like, I had to stop him looking. I'm like, I'm like, just trying yeah. to like, who the I'm like, holy shit, that's Jonathan Banks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was this a TV show is, called, what's that? I was going to say, this cast is nuts, dude. I know, yeah. right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Also, but, you think this uh, is where uh, Lithgow got Third Rock from the Sun? 
Yeah, who knows, man? Um, so yeah, he plays a character called uh, Dr. Emilio Lizardo. Uh, he's been locked up in a mental institution for a long time. We'll find out why in a minute. But that, is that his alter alias? Is his real, like the other name, is the real name? Not yet. No, before, before his traverse into the eighth dimension, he was just Emilio Lizardo, but then he became John Warfin. Okay, I can never inhabited. figure out which one was the fucking real name, which one was the... Emilio Lizardo is his born name. That's okay. his Earth person name. And then when he's inhabited by the eighth dimension alien, the the, the uh, electroid, he becomes you know, the, the Lord John Warfin. Okay. I couldn't figure out which right. one was which. <laughs> That's that was... why he's the only one who you always see as human because he's mm -hmm. not pure alien. Oh, I thought yeah, that was, he, I, I assume it's because he put his contract. He wrote, I'm not going to fucking wear this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, he embraced John Lithgow. Again, my favorite part of this movie, just because he embraced this role. Oh, he did an excellent job. The act, so like I said, my problem in this movie is not with the acting either. No, no, no. I get it. I get <laughs> it's it. Just the fucking lack of a story. So he's he's watching on a TV in his in his little crazy prison yes. room, uh, an interview with the Hong Kong Cavaliers, um, and during this interview he spots his old partner uh, Doctor Hikaida, um, and it just makes it just incenses him. He loses his shit, right? Um, he loses his shit so much that. <laughs> He takes this device out and straps to his hand. Then he puts electrodes on his ears, on his tongue, and he basically electrocutes himself yeah. into remembering what happened in his past. Um, it's so have, fucked up. I have to admit, I was very confused by this sequence because yes. he's in a he's in a mental institution, but he has like, but, access to everything. Oh yeah, yeah he's they, got free. They run. give my man like a lot of leeway. Yeah, like, yes, <laughs> they do. Like yeah. he just lives in the attic with like all of his shit. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those. This is one of those progressive mental institutions. Yeah, yeah. Just let the <laughs> lunatics actually run the asylum. And then, um, and then you'll probably get to this, but I was very confused when the orderly came in and took his TV away because it was using too much power, yeah. and he had a fucking like nuclear device on the ground, sparking with electricity. His like, little black. All and white right, we gotta take your TV little, away. It's using too much power. Thirteen-inch black and white TV. Yeah. It's using too much power. I know. So, uh, so anyway, he's incensed by this. He, he does this electrical device, and it, it's just John Lithgow overacting, but gloriously overacting with an that's accent. Overacting. Oh yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I wanted to let the listeners hear uh, the accent first, so uh, we're gonna roll a clip now. I said exactly like Professor Hikita had glimpsed in 1938 through the overthruster he and Dr. Emilio Lizardo put together from spare parts in a laboratory at Princeton. 1938. Can you imagine what it must have been like then? Then, 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 then. Electromagnets, they are charging! And the voltage is a wire! 
Not yet. No! No, not yet, not yet! I'm not ready! I think I think I pulled that whole clip for the line at the end where it says lithium is no longer available on credit. <laughs> <laughs> because I I real I realize listening to it now that I, it, there's so much happened that you have no fucking clue that I have to explain the whole damn clip anyway. Random so noises. I should have just left the clip. Anyway. You should have just waited until John, <laughs> fucking uh, Jonathan Bakes came in. That's what I know. So so 1938, you got Lizardo and his partner Hakita. They are testing. They're trying to get through. The portal to the eighth dimension so they've got they've got a, a, an overthruster that they've built and um lizardo jumps in this little cart and they aim a beam at the wall which opens a portal to the eighth dimension and he flies down the track on this device and he goes through the wall but only halfway and when hikita looks in his little scope he sees that there are aliens on the other side fucking with lizardo's head right they pull him out of the hole it closes even though as a movie goof it never closed it's just a fucking hole in the wall <laughs> kind of stupid yeah but uh he becomes he's now he's basically now inhabited by one of the aliens one of the electroids from the eighth dimension so he's a homicidal maniac so he kills the two fucking assistants he smacks the heads together probably caves them in they're dead this is why he ends up in the mental hospital because he's a homicidal maniac yeah also, um, an overthruster doesn't only go halfway in the hole. <laughs> that was a reach, but I'll accept it. So, to talk about the overthruster, to go back to the the the, the jet car, right? So when when, when Bonsai Buckaroo gets in the jet car, he takes the overthruster out of a case and he attaches it to some device within the car. Okay, that actual overthruster was used in an episode of Star Trek TNG. Right, and it's also used in Star Trek First Contact. <laughs> oh, oh shit! It's sitting over I forget whose shoulder when <clears throat> Cochran and and Jordy and and uh, Riker. Right, it's the three of them. I think in it when they fly 
the first warp drive. Interesting. It's it's in there. They use that prop. And, and this movie got butt fucked by Star Trek: The Search for Spock. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, dude. Yeah. Holy shit. Even though that one was a fucking. And the funny part too. was they uh, promoted this movie at a bunch of Star Trek conventions. Yeah. 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 They were hoping to capitalize on the whole con thing. And See, they should have went to Star Wars conventions because Star Wars nerds don't need a fucking story. Right. Jeez. No. Jeez. Uh-huh. They okay. did steal the, the title crawl, so they might as well have cut yes, the Star Wars convention. That's very true. So, uh, yeah. So after he has, after Lizardo has this flashback, he begins scribbling on his wall, which we can see he's done a million times already, ranting about finally being able to go home. So something in this memory triggered something that's going to help him figure out how to go home. Okay. Um, you have to note that on the wall above where he's writing, it says Il Duce. <laughs> so he's referencing Mussolini, um, which Mussolini, I believe, came to power in 38 or at least right around the time when, you know, the flashback happens. Mm. So he's a bit of a fan, Lizardo was. I mean, he is Italian. Right. So um, this is when we see Jonathan Banks. He's the hospital orderly yeah. security guy. He comes in with a care package from Lizardo's friends at Yo-Yo Dine, Right. And he asks, oh, hey, doctor, so who are we today? Yeah. <laughs> Albert Einstein? And this is where we hear Lizardo's response. No, I'm Lord John Warfin. All right, so that's the person he's inhabited by, and now yeah. he's fully embraced it. So uh, we now jump to a scene because, again, in the opening crawl, we talked about Buckaroo getting bored just being a neurosurgeon, so he explores the earth. He's a musician. He's a martial artist, all that stuff. So his band is ready to play at a club in New Jersey. So we got another long clip we're going to run. Let's rock and roll! Can we get her a mic? 
And uh, Spotlight. Uh, Tommy, can we run around uh, Mike? Can we use the run around Mike? Are you serious? Yeah, run around Mike. What's your name? Who cares? Right. Well, I care. What's your name? Penny. Did you say Peggy? No, my name's Penny. Penny Pretty. Oh. It doesn't matter. It's not important. I just did. I just sponged up a little uh, too much fat 69. That's all. <laughs> I'm down on my last nickel in this lousy town. And they wouldn't even take my luggage and hop. I lost my room at the wife. Hey, 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 no. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. the John Madden of quotes is that <laughs> that's no, a fucking like a, it's a it's a it's a well-known metaphysical guru quote Joe, Joe okay you want you know what I guess Star Trek fans don't need a fucking story either because that quote is on the plaque for the memorialization of the Excelsior yeah it's a very John Madden quote it's like wherever you go that's where you are <laughs> well that's what it is it's supposed to be one of those what the fuck is this Metaphysical quotes. That's oh, what it is. Also, I will give credit to them for being an instrumental band. We didn't need to hear him sing, but no. at well, the he's same time, in a little bit, and I, it ain't good. I felt I felt like somebody who plays guitar, like who just sits in his room all day and tries to play Van Halen and like Satriani, was trying out for the surf rock band and somehow like got yeah. mixed in. Well, you could tell. You could very easily tell who on the stage was an actual musician and who yeah. wasn't oh, yeah. an actual yeah, musician. Yeah. Peter Weller learned just enough guitar to make that kind of look semi-okay, but he actually did play the trumpet on that. That's him. I was going to say, what a, what a fucking, you got to be some kind of confident musician to shred a solo. And then as soon as you finish, pull out a fucking trumpet out of nowhere, like this trumpet appeared out of the fucking eighth dimension. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, the bassist, uh, the actor's, the actor's name is Billy Vera and he he was in a band called Billy and the Beaters for a very very long time, and they, they actually won a Grammy for a song in either one. So he's a real musician, and a lot of the background band members were his band. There you go. Don't you dare play that. Oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> dear um, listeners, Joe has pulled a trumpet out of the out of his dimension. ass. <laughs> Holy shit! Thank you. <laughs> no, there's no mouthpiece yeah. in it, but uh, so I get it. So. It is in this scene that we meet Miss Penny Pretty, uh, played by Ellen Barkin, also probably top ten on my crush list. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about her, but I've always loved Ellen Barkin. Meh. Um, yeah, I'm just saying. As an '80s guy, that yeah, she's she's got a cool look, man. She's got a she got a different look. That's oh, what yeah. it is. She's not a classic beauty, and I dig that. Also, what what a fucking dick move it is. When somebody's like feeling like shit and crying, hey, get a spotlight on him and give him a fucking microphone. <laughs> uh, nah, he was, he just, he, well, again, it was that whole connection thing. 
That's why I said, you know, when she said, he said, what's your name? And she said, Penny. He said, did you say Peggy? Because Peggy is his wife who died. Yeah, but even before yeah. that, like, if you see somebody that's like fucking visibly he, upset. Genu- but Joe, he was genuinely concerned about her. He stopped the whole fucking show because he yeah, found they, someone crying. They so go down and talk to them. Sure like, hey, hey, everybody look at this person who clearly doesn't want any attention right now. Okay. <laughs> that, and that was his motive, too, because he's a fuckface. I, mean, I like the idea that's a dick of someone move, crying though. and you're like, I'm going to play you a very sad song. I know, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's so. like you're in the movie theater and like you see someone like in the next seat over crying. You're like, hey, are you crying? Yeah. I, I, it's not like that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, because this one, the whole fucking like crowd that. looks okay, at her. Because <laughs> he just generally already cares about her because there's a connection that we're going to learn about later. Um, I just thought it was so, a dickhead move. So after... So after he has this conversation with Penny, he uh, he changes things up. He sits behind the keyboard uh, to play a song for her, and it's a very depressing song. Yeah. She immediately takes out a gun. She tries to shoot herself. Um, <laughs> I don't blame her. But she she's she a misses, Penny, but she she's gets, down to her last nickel. She gets bumped into uh, and misses. You know the gun fires, but it misses her, and the entire group of Hong Kong Cavaliers think it's an assassination attempt yeah. on Buckaroo so they whisk him off the stage oh and apparently and, this movie takes place in Florida because everybody's got a gun yeah dude my no, son was in the room everybody had a gun. the one who pulls out a fucking Uzi I know. <laughs> you gotta have one guy with an Uzi dude but yeah my son was watching this for a little bit with me and when this scene went down he was like how come all the guys in the band just like pulled out guns yeah like it was like it was no big deal like yeah yeah listen it was a different time i don't know what to tell you it was the 80s it was fucking you know scarface shit you gotta gotta understand they're musicians but they're also scientists but they're also kind of like ninjas and and assassins yes exactly you know exactly they wore many hats Mm -hmm. yeah one of them's even a, a writer yeah so we are back at the mental hospital and John Warfin, Emilio Lizardo, he's executing his escape plan uh, by first calling his colleague, John B- And this is my favorite running Big Booty. My favorite <laughs> running gag in the whole fucking movie. John John Big Booty. Uh, um, Big Booty. Big, bo- Big Booty. Um, and uh, he then, you know, our favorite Jonathan Banks orderly. Which, ironically, um, the one person named Jonathan is taken out. Know. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he's on the phone telling, you know, John Big Boutet that it's time we're, we're going to go home. And the orderly starts getting on him. There's better be a collect call. And he just instantly picks him up and snaps his neck. So we can see how powerful these aliens are uh, just by that move. Um, he explains to Big Boutet that they are going to need to steal Buckaroo's uh, overthruster in order to, to get home. So he gets himself out. And he um, blows up a Buckaroo Bonsai video game on the way out. Yes, he does. Um, so we are now on the uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers tour bus, which is a giant double-decker tour bus that's also a command, a mobile command center for uh, the team. I love um, this. I love it. Right? Isn't it great? No. And we got another clip. Spitting image. Doesn't look anything like her, man. Pictures don't lie. Hell don't. Met my first wife that way. It's pretty to these eyes. It's the same nose, it's the same hair. Plus, Buckaroo has to think so too, or else he wouldn't be ready to make a fool of himself. 
Just hot off the world watchwire, Buckaroo. Thought you want to be notified. Remember that old uh, Italian pal of professors? Emilio Lazardo. Yeah. The last night, he kills a guard and breaks out of the Trenton home for the criminally insane. Ten minutes later, he cops a Maserati Bora, totaled it a block away. Holy moly. Maserati Bora. Mm-hmm. That ain't all. He's vanished. Thin air. Dr. Lazardo. Wasn't he on TV once? You're thinking of Mr. Wizard. This guy's a top scientist, Jim Cobb. So was Mr. Wizard. Dr. Emilio Lazardo's a raving lunatic, perfect Tommy. Vicious psychopath. Just soon kill you as go fishing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so now we, we know that the good guy and the bad guy, or, you know, the good guy now knows about the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and we get to meet members of the, uh, the Hong Kong Cavaliers uh, a little closer now, and it's pretty cool. I mean, we got um, Clancy Brown is Rawhide. Um, we got uh, Pepe Serna. He plays Reno. Um, he he was his other claim to fame is being the chainsaw victim in Scarface. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Yes, same actor. Hmm. And then um, Perfect Tommy is played by Louis Smith. He he had some roles back in the eighties, um, but yeah, his his name is Perfect Tommy. And that's a, it's another it's I pulled that clip too just because that whole Mr. Wizard joke back in the 80s was fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> I know, oh, yeah, I yeah, know yeah. that I laughed my ass off at that joke. So um, that's also another another endearing factor in why I dug this movie back then. So. This this tour bus slash command center slash dojo. Is yes. So fucking perfect. Like uh, when I think about this movie, it it doesn't even need to exist. It's like just look inside my brain yeah. as a kid who was born in the in the mid eighties, and that's what's there. It's just like this <laughs> fucking this snowball of like yep. cartoon nonsense. I love it yep. so much. And just like just like the Doctor Who TARDIS, it's bigger on the inside. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's way. Bigger I do get on the some inside. like Doctor Who vibes from this as well. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they they probably try to latch on to that vibe. You're right, Joe. Uh, that that whimsical science fiction thing going on. Yeah. So, uh, so the bus arrives at the jail. It's holding Penny, uh, and the team step out and they meet. Uh, they meet New Jersey. They meet his the newest member of the team. He's standing outside in full cowboy costume. Yeah. Like, why is he dressing a cowboy? Because it's know. that it's, kind of movie, Joe. It's awesome. Like, it it looks fits like... perfectly within the aesthetic of the movie. <laughs> I, I just yeah. I'm just like, who told? Like, what? Like. Because that's his thing. He's a, he loves country yeah. music, and he, he he might live in New Jersey, but he wants to be a cowboy. Listen, he got the green light to be in the band, and he was exactly. packing for the tour, and he's like, well, what, they, they play, blah, blah, what am I going to uh, They play I Van Hill and Surf Rock. <laughs> he's, just like a cow- <laughs> he's just like a cowboy. But yes. I, I, I just dance. I just, you know, he's like the guy from the Boston's that didn't play anything. He just got up on stage and fucking yeah, danced the, skank, the whole time. <laughs> uh, what was his name? Uh, I don't remember. But that's, Skankin' Adam or something like that? Yeah, that's New Jersey's yeah. role. He just Dan. gets up there. He looks exactly. like fucking Cowboy Curtis from Pee Wee Herman, and he yes. just just goes for it, man. For exactly, fucking, I love it. Exactly. So, so as uh, as the boys are talking outside, uh, Buckaroo heads inside to talk to Penny, and now we got another clip. What do you want? Huh? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? 
don't you just go away and let me rot? Who were you really trying to annihilate last night? You. Just like the papers all say. Come over here. What do you want from me? Oh, you're a reminder of someone I once knew long ago. Was she very beautiful? She was queen of the Netherlands. That's a long way from where I come from. Wyoming? Cody, Wyoming? No, I'm from Laramie. Except that I was born in Cody, but nobody... You're a family. Back in Cody, I mean. I don't know. See, I always felt that there was an another part of me somewhere. Yeah, I knew someone who looked just like you. Oh, was she also super fucking hot? Yeah, <laughs> right. I know. Ah, uh, yeah. So I mean, that gives a little explanation, though. My whole problem with with Penny is that this part of the story, it's it, it's one of the parts of the story that isn't fleshed out enough as to why they are together. Like why she's yeah. drawn to why she like, you know, mystically has appeared in his life. I understand. Yes, I get the point about the fact that she's his ex-wife's twin and, and all that kind of stuff. But they I think they needed to explain that a little more. You know, it's one of the ways it fell short. So. um, So, uh, oh, crap, what was I going to say? I'm going to say something about the clip previous to this one, but now nah, I forget. Doesn't matter. Um. So uh, we jump now to a press conference that the gang is holding uh, to review the jet car experiment with the press. Uh, Buckaroo explains how he's able uh, to phase through the mountain. Um, we also learn he talks about the fact that it, both his parents died 30 years ago uh, trying to do the same thing, trying to, you know, to breach the wall of the eighth dimension. Uh, so this thing has been taken live for a while. Um, Dr. Hakita talks about the overthruster. Um, which we see when he's talking about that, it piques the interest of two members in the audience. Uh, we are going to come to know them as John O'Connor and John Gomez. Yes, all the aliens, their first names are John. Uh, they are played by Dan Hedaya and Vincent Chiavelli, both two great character actors. Dan Hedaya played uh, Carla's hus ex-husband in Cheers. I mean, that's also yeah. going way back in time, but uh, Tortelli was the family name and um, he played the ex-husband of her. Uh, so he has a, he has a, he's very good at having, like, he has a crazy stink eye. Like he can look at you with one eye and scare the shit out of you, you know? Uh, so Buckaroo then pulls a little cover off a 
a container and reveals the organism he found under the car. Um, and it's at that point that one of the gang comes from, from backstage and tells him that the president is calling him. And another great line, president of what? <laughs> What's he calling you know? me? Right. President of the United States. That's who. So uh, Buckaroo passes the, the torch on to the rest of the crew and he exits to take the call. Um, he He's in the bowels of the conference uh, center now and he heads to a phone booth. <laughs> of all places um and he um he picks up the phone in the phone booth and um now I'm, oh, i lost my place and joe the answer is yes <laughs> okay, and that's why i lost that's why i lost my place and the answer is yes as soon as i'm done with this paragraph um so he picks up the phone but all he hears is this strange staticky noise uh the, the president's not online we saw. We then learned that the the call is actually coming from the spacecraft that's been parked in orbit. Um, you know, kind of spying on and watching Buckaroo. Um, Buckaroo then gets shocked through the phone, um, and it's their way of passing on a more deep message to him. Um, he falls out of the phone booth. He immediately scribbles some kind of formula on his hand, and he screams, "Comfort room!" Um, and it's at that point the ship in orbit launches like a little thermal pod. It's called in. It's now we are going to take our first break and hopefully I can muscle through the rest of this in two parts. <laughs> I don't see why not. And uh, we'll be right back. Do you know anyone with a birthday? Get them some custom art at artofericpabone.com. Want to impress your significant other on your anniversary? Skip the wilted flowers in the dirty CVS teddy bear. Commission a custom family portrait at artofericpabone.com. Maybe you're just like me and you like unique pieces of art, celebrating your favorite films, comics, and pop culture. Head to artofericpabone.com and shop till you drop. And don't forget, MOTCU listeners get special discounted pricing on all custom art. Don't pay some cookie-cutter bullshit from Hobby Lobby. I'm pretty sure child labor was involved in that painting of a cow you just had to have. Be a hero and support local art at artofericpabone.com. 